Anyone who knows me knows that one of the things that I cherish the most in my life are my friends. I see them more than just people that I spend my time with and hang out with. I see them as my family of choice. And I truly believe that our friends are the people who define us and define who we really are. You know, they are the ones that make all their life struggles and challenges easier to handle. And even if you are happy and successful, does it truly mean anything if you have no one to share it with? So this is why today I'm not just sharing another incredible guest of you, but I'm sharing a piece of my heart. Because we are joined by my very close friend Sasha Spielberg. Sasha is an incredibly successful and famous influencer, particularly famous and popular on YouTube. And one of the reasons why I respect her so much is because she somehow managed to stay true to herself, to her values, to her beliefs, while still securing amazing brand partnerships, reaching incredible heights and becoming so successful in such a toxic social media world. Sometimes it is hard for all of us to stay true to who we are because society is constantly trying to dictate us who we have to be and how we have to behave. And can you imagine how hard it is to stay true to yourself while you are being watched by millions of people? And the reason why Sasha is joining us today is because originally she came into my life as a client. And one of her health issues that she was facing when she was seeking professional help was actually overreaching. This is something that she was seriously struggling with. And together we managed to not only tackle this issue, but completely change her approach to health and wellness. And I'm not going to be shy about it. We did change her life for the better. And today's conversation is going to be a very powerful and important one, because when you are dealing with something like overreading, you might feel guilty and ashamed about it, and like you are all alone, like you are the only person dealing with this issue. And that is why I'm so grateful to Sasha, and so proud of her to come here and share her story and open up, because it is important to feel like you are not alone. In today's conversation, we will discuss the health issues that Sasha was facing a couple of years ago. We will discuss her complicated history of food relationships, and we will uncover the exact techniques and tools that we, as a health coach and a client, use to help her overcome all her health issues she was struggling with that helped her change her life and her health entirely and completely. And I hope that today's conversation will motivate you and inspire you to take responsibility for your health into your own hands and start implementing changes already today. Hi, I'm Marina. I'm a health coach and this is The Why Matters, where I share with you my findings about well-being concerns which many of us face, such as overeating, stress, insomnia, gut problems, emotional burnout, lack of energy, you name it. Well, most of us can name it and are trying to fight it. In other words, we know what we're facing and are looking for how to fix it. But we are completely neglecting the why. Why we got here in the first place is the most crucial question we have to ask ourselves to find an effective way out which we all want and rightfully deserve. Your why truly matters, and that is why we're here. 
first of all, I want to thank you so, so much for agreeing to sit down with me and to have this conversation, because I understand that it can be a little bit of a personal topic to talk about, and anything that's personal sometimes brings us out of our comfort zone. So thank you for trusting me, and thank you for agreeing to talk about your experience around uh, nutrition and food and wellness and in particular overeating. Irina, thank you for inviting me. Thank you because you've made such a big impact in my life with the way I eat, the way I think, you know, our psychological talks. You've taught me how to love myself more in the truest of the ways it can be. I know that you can see how much I'm smiling. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> thank We're you both so much. smiling. We're both smiling and you're such a such a careful, delicate person in the sense that I remember our first conversation, you don't just go head into, you know, like the problems and the stuff that I'm feeling, but you approach it so carefully and, and slowly and in depth to the way where you reflect my own thoughts so that I can change them and live a better, healthier life and respect my body more, respect my thoughts more. It's really cool. Now it's catching up to me a half a year and a half later, and it makes so much sense now, even more than it did before. And I remember you constantly. I'm like, Arena started this. Wow. Thank you. This is the best compliment I could have ever, ever, ever received. Thank you. And as you know, this season we're talking about overeating, and you know my approach very well, so you know that my favorite question that I ask the whole time is why. When you work with me, why, why, why is the most common word that you'll probably hear from me. And as you also know from working with me, I define overeating not just when we eat too much in one meal, but in general, whenever we sit down and we pick up a fork and we're not physically hungry. Like when we're eating now for any other reason apart from that. Like when we're bored, when we're upset, when we're angry, when we just don't know what to do, when we're anxious. Basically, whenever we eat when we're not physically hungry is how I define overeating. And um, when we started working with you from a professional angle, because I think that we first decided that we will start to work professionally, then we became friends, and then we started working professionally, I think that overreaching was one of your main concerns, which I hope now worries you a little bit less. And hence, my first question is, what was your relationship with food before we started working together? Uh, so I remember the first time we spoke, I saw your article in Tatler and I was like, whoa, she's so pretty. She's modeling. She's awesome. And she's a nutritionist too. Uh, I had food guilt, pretty severe food guilt, which was new to me at that time in my life. I was quite skinny most of my life. And then suddenly I moved to the US and I felt super lonely. Loneliness is my biggest reason for overeating, actually. And you helped me uncover that. And so I gained a lot of weight. And for the first time in my life, whenever I overate or ate a burger or something super delicious and a lot of it, I felt so guilty and had thoughts that I had to remove it from my body some way, which I thought 
was scary and I've never felt that way before. So I realized I, I had to, you know, seek professional conversation on this and I wanted more knowledge on this topic. Because it's always scary. Food is so related to psychology, right? And you see more of yourself. I've been in therapy since I was 12 for like 10 years. I can analyze myself pretty well in my thoughts, but food... It tells you so much about a person, the way you eat, how fast you eat, right? What you eat. And I realized that when I go into that, I'm going to uncover so much more that I'm going to have to work on. <laughs> That's why I postponed it for quite a bit. Uh, but it just, it felt unhealthy having a thought bullying myself for eating something. It's, it shouldn't be that way. I can bully myself if I hurt somebody or I do something bad, but not because I ate a burger right? So that string of thoughts had to be corrected. You're 100% right. Like food is there to give you energy. Food is there to be delicious. I'm not going to deny that food is delicious and it should be. And it definitely shouldn't create any food guilt or unpleasant emotions about it. And I think that, you know, food only highlights what was already there. So I think that if you are feeling guilty about food or if you feel bad after eating it, it only like brings up those emotions that were already in you. And uh, you must know already now from your experience that overeating or eating something that you didn't intend on eating is not a problem itself, but rather it is a symptom of a problem, you know. I personally was using food when I was feeling heartbroken a lot of times or when I was feeling anxious about a guy and I didn't know like if he liked me or if he didn't like me and I would turn to food then. Or another one of my personal triggers was, you know, I really don't like changing plans and whenever the plans were changing, I would seek control in food. You know, I can't control what's happening in the outside world and I can't control that the plans are changing, but at least I can control this croissant at the moment, which I am eating. So we all have our ways around it. And do you remember what was, what was it for you? Like a symptom of what issues or what, what... triggered me to head to a cookie? Yeah. Uh, loneliness? For sure. I think it's loneliness. And so after a couple of years of us working together, I also realized that fear drives me to food because I've been editing a very big YouTube video myself for the last week. And apart from that, I've been eating super healthy, you know, just meat, fish, chicken, salad, veggies, fruit, sometimes yogurts. And I'm feeling great. I'm not feeling guilty because I realized I have to pamper myself and take care of myself as I would take care of somebody I love. And I didn't love myself when we met. You know, that's why I felt guilty. That's why I was bullying myself. It was actually a very weird cycle of bullying myself and then with food, helping myself feel better until I bully myself again. But the triggers, fear of big responsibility that I'm not going to do a good job, fear of not controlling things and loneliness. I wouldn't turn to food if I felt like somebody didn't like me in our relationship, but I would definitely, I think you remember, man, it, it was, it was a scary, nasty time where I would head to like, I would literally head out every single time to stop my tears, to eat a burger because I was in a relationship for many years. And I just felt like the person was there with me, but they weren't at the same time. Like I lived with them. I loved them. They loved me, but I was always lonely. I was left alone in our home while he was traveling for work. And it made me feel really unhealthy. So I turned to food. 
Now that I'm single, just be single. It removes all the problems. <laughs> well, for some, you see, me, it makes me turn to foot. You'll be up <laughs> way around. So just figure out what works for you. But it's so interesting that you say it because um, just like I've said before, you know, food only highlights what was already inside of you. Like you said that like you were feeling guilty about yourself. You were thinking that maybe you're not good enough. And then it was like this vicious cycle of when you felt bad and then you ate to make yourself feel good. And then you only felt bad. So it's kind of like food is like a mirror in that sense. Like you won't find anything new there, but it allows you to see the things that maybe you were ignoring before then. Because, you know, when we have some emotions like like for instance you mentioned your ex-relationship right and it's a rather unpleasant emotion to deal with when you live with someone but you still feel lonely in their presence when you love someone but you still feel like they're not giving you the support that you need and because you love them it sometimes might be hard to notice all these things for yourself just because you know we love someone of course we want this relationship to work of course we want a happy ending and then maybe some thoughts or emotions that drive us away from this happy ending are of course unpleasant and uh, that's why we turn to food in search of discomfort but that is why actually emotional eating is a good thing in some ways because you know you can ignore those emotions all you want But once you start regularly overeating or once you find yourself... It's a sign. In Mac- yeah, it is a sign. And once you start finding yourself in McDonald's every night, this is something that you can't ignore. You're like, maybe I should reconsider something in my life for sure. Like, maybe you should. Like, this is a sign that just can't be ignored. And once you start treating it as a sign, you will actually notice many things about your life. Were there any, I would say things that food highlighted for you, which then you decided to change? Well, I still remember you telling me I should do a different profession or a different job, get a different profession or a different job, still here with the editing, but luckily not headed to the cookie anymore. Uh, I actually, at the time, still food related, right? But my stomach was going crazy to the point where I had to take pills for my whole digestive system to work. Otherwise, it didn't. I was broken. And the doctor as well told me I should change my job, but it wasn't the job. It was the relationship, right? So the trigger, which led to further symptoms. And it, it was lovely. There was a lot of wonderful moments. I still love that man as a person. Funny fact, food-wise, he was half Indian. And there's an Indian tradition, right, that You order almost everything on the menu and you share. That is not a good thing. You don't like that? <laughs> I mean, it's good for the soul, but it's not good for your stomach, right? Because you mix all these different foods and it just sits in there. It's better to have greens and a protein instead of having five proteins and mixing them together in your poor stomach acid. No, for sure. But even like when you save a job, I feel like you slightly shifted ever since oh my gosh i just had a crazy insight you know why because my relationship was my job as well it was my job to make this relationship work <laughs> and i started falling apart because i couldn't do it you can't work you can't make a relationship your work you can work on some things but unfortunately the determination can help you in a work environment but not in a relationship if it doesn't work out after some time you should probably let it go Well, so like you said, like you did change jobs <laughs> maybe oh, yeah, I a did. little bit. <laughs> For sure. Now you have only one job. Well, maybe two, like taking care of yourself is also a job. Taking care of myself, listening to myself, meditating, watching what I eat, watching what I have in my fridge, 
So that is my job right now. And I like it. And um, as you know, I always recommend to all of my clients and also to you, this free F technique, which like is great place to start with when you're dealing with overreaching, where first F is basically to feel is to basically to understand what you're feeling exactly, like whether you're anxious, whether you're lonely, uh, whatever emotions you're experiencing. The second F is to feed, is to imagine how would you feel like after eating that cookie or after eating that burger? What do you want from this burger at the moment? Do you want it to give you comfort? Do you want it to distract you? Do you want it to just feel good? And then the third F is to find the, you know, the action that kind of actually covers this emotional need. Because as we all know, food is great, food is delicious, but it doesn't meet our emotional needs. If it had the capacity to, it would be great, but it doesn't. So the third F is basically to find the action that would actually do that. But it's a very book-like approach, and I'm very realistic that, of course, in the beginning, everyone is practicing it, but then you won't stick to the three Fs all your life. So I'm just curious to find out how do you navigate the situations now. You know, meditations really helped me. When we met, I didn't meditate because... uh Life wasn't as difficult, unfortunately, through the time that we've been speaking to each other for years. Uh, everything got a little bit worse. And so I was like, okay, we got to listen to ourselves now and got to take care of ourselves. <laughs> now I hear my thoughts much clearer after meditating. And usually if I eat something that has sugar in it, I do it because I'm like, I need energy right now. I'm putting way too much responsibility on myself. I got to get this done. I understand that it's me who's putting this responsibility on me. Let me help myself. Get like a little bar or chocolate. Before that, I would just be like, I want it. I'm going to have it. I'm not going to say no to myself because I am so sad and I feel so many things. And I, I hear stuff in my head, but I don't understand it. I can't comprehend it. And, you know, I'm just it's a different language. It's, it's a different language for <laughs> sure. So I remember when I used to tell you that food gives me a feeling of comfort and peace, you offer to find a different activity that can replace that, right? So instead of going to the fridge before I go to bed, because it gives me comfort, maybe I can watch a favorite movie from my childhood, which gives me the same feeling, right? And I remember the biggest one I told you, the biggest answer was, breathing, just sitting down and breathing for a little bit, which led me to meditations again. So now I replaced it, right? Now, whenever I have an urge to eat something sweet or that's bad for my body, I usually just speak to myself. I sit down and I ask myself a question of why do you want it? We don't want to feel guilty. I don't want to do this to you, right? So it's a different perspective. It's also maybe because I turned 25 this year. And I mean, your brain forms completely and you start acting and thinking like an adult. So just, you know, I've, I've been on both sides. Now I'm very cautious and aware of what I eat, what I think, how I speak to myself. When we just met, it was very different. And for sure, the things that you have shared with me when we first spoke and while we were doing the sessions helped me navigate to where I am today, feeling completely comfortable with food. I'm very, very happy to hear that. And it's interesting that you've mentioned meditations because I think that meditations in any form that they come, you know, some people sit down and do a breath work. Some people go for a work, 
uh, a walk, for instance, I'm a walker in that sense. It's very hard for me at the moment to sit down and breathe and listen to my thoughts in a sit down position because then it gets too much, but walks work for me. And whatever meditation form comes in, it just really helps you to kind of deal with this voices inside your head and kind of to understand yourself better. I mean, not everybody has them. That's the problem. You know, it's like our brains are wired pretty difficultly. Like we're deep people. Not everybody has these thoughts, has these thoughts. I think we all talk to ourselves in a way. I think it just depends on in what way we talk to ourselves. But now that you've mentioned it, maybe after this episode is released, maybe we will both be put in a special institution because we have voices. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Before the wall starts talking back, it's okay. It's fine. No, but maybe um, people just don't hear themselves and don't talk about it. Yeah. That's a big issue as well. And when you can't hear yourself, when you can't hear what your inner voice is telling you, when you can't understand your emotional needs, then of course it is very hard to meet your emotional needs. But once you create that time and space where you kind of can be honest with yourself about what you want, what you need, what is going wrong with your life, then the amount of even like emotional eating situations goes down because you already know what you need and what you want. And you already are taking actions to meet those needs. So I'm very happy that meditations worked for you and that now you understand yourself better, where the emotions are coming from and how to deal with them. That's actually amazing. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for being happy for me, <laughs> for my growth and transformation. And um, going back to the feeling of guilt that you were experiencing, do you know where this guilt was coming from now? Like, was it because you wanted to be perfect and then eating something that is bad kind of made you imperfect? Or was it just because you were feeling already guilty about everything else in your life and this was just, you know, another so-called failure that you didn't meet the expectations of yourself it made me feel weak when you wanted to be strong uh yeah i i like being strong but my understanding of strength has changed recently when i couldn't control what i eat even though i knew in my mind that it was wrong what i'm putting in my body right what i'm digesting it's not good for me i knew what i had to do but i couldn't do it and when i couldn't do it Again, right? Responsibility, need of control. I would overeat even more. And that was the main problem. It just made me feel like I was completely out of control. And I couldn't do it even though I knew what I needed to do. It is a vicious circle. And uh, it's very interesting that you've mentioned that you knew what you had to do, but you just didn't know how. And I feel like it's very often that there is this bridge that we are lacking between knowing what to do and still not being able to do it. I didn't think I deserved it in my subconsciousness. And you gave me the first tools to be like, oh, wow, I can actually ask myself these questions and think greatly of myself, you know, be kind to myself. I didn't think that that was possible. I thought that all the results, whether it's a fit body or, you know, any success in work or personal life that I had to push myself through. And so I pushed myself. And of course, my body was like, whoa, wait, what are you doing? You're not being kind to me. You're bullying me. The results are greater and you can achieve them way quicker when your body and your mind are working together 
and not when your mind is working against your body. Because the body will always win. It has such deep-rooted instincts, it's such, it has such deep-rooted, you know, subconscious reactions that we can never fight. So it's better to change your perspective about it first before trying to change anything about our bodies or about our health. And it's like you, you mentioned kind. And it made me smile so much because I think it also has a lot to do, you know, with the way we are treating ourselves and the way we are observing ourselves and the way we are judging ourselves because we ourselves are the greatest critics for what we do and how we do it. And I'm mentioning it because I think it's particularly relevant to both me and you because we're always trying to do our best but we are the ones who actually always notice that we're not doing our best. It's crazy. Yeah, we're rating ourselves. With this video that I'm releasing, right? I'm sitting there calling my mom being like, hey, I need words of appreciation and praise. I feel like I'm doing a very bad job. She looks at me and she goes, are you crazy? This is good. This is good. You're being a perfectionist, right? But then, again, I try to talk to myself and listen to myself with kindness and I understand that maybe I don't have to do this. Maybe I don't have to put so much pressure on myself and be a perfectionist. I am ranking my work. Nobody else is going to see the flaws. Only I do. So might as well relax. But changing this conversation, the one that you have with yourself, you know, to a more kinder and gentle one, is actually the key to everything. It, and it's also a key to, you know, balancing your nutrition and having a more healthy lifestyle. Because once you're kind to yourself, then all of these changes, they come from a place from of love. Because you love yourself and you want to do what's good for you. They don't come from a place of hate where you hate yourself and you want to do this to punish yourself. And I think that once this narrative changes, like it changed in you, that's the magic switch. That there was also, <laughs> I, uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to talk about this, uh, formally, but I just remembered I had a crazy experience a couple months ago where I had separation from my own ego. And I think that helped me as well. I mean, if you know, you know, I'm not going to go into detail, yeah. right? <laughs> but our brain is our foe. It's the brain that bullies us as well. And I think that you can't really cooperate with it because it dominates you, right? It by instinct dictates everything that we do. And then when you experience the ego separation, you realize that you are not your thoughts. Your thoughts do not define you, right? You can control your thoughts and to yourself as well, not to just people you love, but you can direct the same energy towards caring for yourself. Because now I literally know I've seen it. I felt it with my nervous system. There's my body, there's my brain, and then there's me, the soul, the energy, call it whatever you want, right? And it's been like an interesting connection between the three, which really transformed me. Well, it's good that you've felt it and you've realized it. And like you said, we're not going to go into too much detail. But if you know, you know. No, but the point is, it, it doesn't, no matter the experience, you know, the lesson that I learned is that my brain sometimes goes crazy and says nasty shit to me and makes me feel like shit as well. But I can talk to it back and be like, no, we're not doing that. We're not thinking that about ourselves. We're going to be kind to ourselves. Shut up. And it follows, surprisingly. It doesn't rebel. It's like, okay, 
you're the boss now. Okay, we are going to be kind to ourselves. And in the beginning, you've talked a little bit about that you learned to love yourself. And as you know, like I'm a huge believer in self-love, but not in a way that majority of people see it. You know, majority of people, especially in the Western world, they see self-love as I'm already perfect. I'm perfect the way I am. I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to lay on the couch the entire day because I am perfect and perfection needs rest. I think that's pity. That's not really love because love is doing, right? There's infatuation and then love is doing. You're doing for yourself. Yeah. And the way we see now self-love, you know, it's more about I love myself. I want to feel good. I want to be energetic. I want to live a long and healthy life. I want to be there for my family. I want to be there for my friends. I want to be there for my colleagues. I want to be there for the world, you know. And in order to do that, I need energy. And that is why I'm going to work on my health. And that is why I'm going to improve myself. And I think that's a very like great place to be in. But do you remember when like you still didn't have that feeling? How was your basically approach to yourself and to your health back then? Because you still liked yourself. I mean, you know, you still thought that you are cool. You still knew that there were areas to basically that you could be proud about. And I bet that sometimes when you woke up in the morning, you thought that you were beautiful. So then what was missing? So my whole life, I was looking for external factors for my own self-worth. And I definitely liked myself. I was proud of a lot of my successes. But at some point, I still realized they weren't fulfilling me and filling me just like food does, right? It doesn't give me as much comfort. Sure. I've done this. I've done that. I've you know purchased many things succeeded in so many areas which I could have only dreamed of but I still didn't feel comfortable with myself the bad part of the transformation that happened next is I started slacking off on work more because I started learning about myself and exploring myself and finding myself worth in my relationship with my own self I think it's Actually, the ultimate goal in our lives, one of the hardest things to do, because it's, you know, we say it's, it's so hard to be successful in your career, whatever, to become famous, to become rich, but it's even harder because all these super famous, successful people go to therapists and still don't feel their self-worth. It's even harder to accomplish the feeling that you love yourself truly and knowing that you're worthy, even if you take away all the external factors. So liking yourself is the external factors. Being at peace with yourself is liking yourself no matter the external factors. So what you said right now also made me realize that there is a big difference between liking yourself and loving yourself. Like liking yourself, it's more on the external side of things, like you said, and loving yourself yourself is more on the internal side of things. So, you know, it's like a mother and a child. Like when a child is crying, of course, a mother is not going to like it. But she will still love him. And I think it's a little bit about ourselves as well. Like we might not always like ourselves just because, you know, external circumstances are different. But we should always love ourselves because our inner side never changes. And that's what we should probably love ourselves for. I think that when, again, externally people don't love you the way you expect them to, you're forced to be in a situation where you either 
drink and cry yourself to sleep for days, or you decide to take the strong route and realize that you're the only one capable of loving yourself full time and that your most important relationship, the most important love in your life is your relationship with yourself. Because you're giving so much power, again, to external people to make you happy and to make you feel worthy. Why don't you work on giving all that power to yourself and have it in your own hands? Then you become invincible, almost. This is so, so true. And once you fix that relationship, you can fix everything else. You can fix your relationship with your job, with your partners, with your friends, with your family, and also with food. Because once you love yourself, you see food differently. There is no need to punish yourself anymore. You only want to nurture yourself and give yourself energy and support yourself. Would you say that basically your relationship with food was also healed in a way once you've rediscovered the path to yourself and to loving yourself? Yeah, because power comes with responsibility, right? Meditations gave me a feeling of inner power. And I was like, oh, I am responsible for how I feed myself. Whoa, what a concept. <laughs> I should probably look into it and look into my fridge and not punish myself like I did with diets and just throw out everything that's sweet. And, you know, I love bread. Breakfast without bread for me is is not good. My day is not going to start well. But, you know, I did recently and I didn't do it as punishing myself. I just replaced it with something, you know, and I tricked my mind. I'm like, yo, mine, this little... Dr. Oatker cracker is your bread today. And it's like, okay, boss, got it. Because it will make us feel better today. Yeah, it's not going to make us feel better. It's going to make us live better and function better. It's not good to eat out of feelings. It's good to eat out of how you're going to function. Feelings need to have a different place. I think you can be a health coach yourself now, Sasha. You've basically cracked the <laughs> secret. You know, everyone thinks that you need so much information to do that. No, that's all you need. You need to teach people how to love themselves. And then basically that's it. You know, I'm I'm always tricking people. I'm, I'm telling them, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to tell you how to eat. I'm going to teach you what foods are good for you. I'm going to explain to you how macronutrients work. No, it's all about teaching people how you love themselves. Because once you love yourself, have is the head that wears the crown. And you take responsibility for yourself and for your body. And maybe, you know, another day you will understand that actually I want bread today. And that's also fine. Uh, because, you know, love is a choice. And when we love ourselves, we can also choose what we want and how we want, if it's a cracker or bread, but at least it's a very conscious choice that we are making. It's not a subconscious one. I think your genius is not just in the fact that you teach people to love yourselves, but instead of first giving clear instructions, you listen. Barely anybody truly has the empathy to listen to people with their problems, especially concerning food. Because, you know, it's like, what do you mean you have problems with food? That is not an issue. You know, you're not super sick in a lot of standard situations. Of course, there's eating disorders as well. Uh, but for most people who don't have that big of a problem, you even feel guilty for thinking about it as if it shouldn't be a problem. But you listen, you show empathy, and then you give instructions, which is amazing. And that's that's how it works because you listen truly. I think this is partially why I started this podcast, because for me, the missing link was always this why part. Because, you know, usually just people, 
they have a problem, they ask a question which starts with how and what, and then you get a direct uh, how and what solution. But a how and what needs a link, like this link that you were saying that you were missing. You knew what you had to do, but you just didn't do it. And it's not because you are bad, and it's not because you don't have willpower, because you're extremely successful. In order to be this successful, you need a lot of willpower. It's just because there is this missing link. Why? Because once you understand why you have these issues, then you can find all the solutions that you want. It's like when you came to me in the beginning, I even remember, you're really, really working on focusing on food and how you can correct your nutrition and how you can perfect it. But if back then I would have just told you, well, Sasha, you shouldn't eat a burger. Instead of a burger, I want you to buy a steak, you know, a real steak. I want you to make it at home and with a nice green salad and a dressing. You wouldn't do it. I would feel so overwhelmed. <laughs> because your why was not be that you didn't know that you shouldn't eat a burger and you should eat a real meat more often, you know? You knew that. Your why was not hiding in the information that wasn't available because information right now is available everywhere. Your why was hiding in your emotions and your why was hiding in loving yourself and your why was hiding in understanding your feelings and learning to navigate them and learning to meet your needs. And this was like this missing bridge between I want to do it, I just can't do it. And once people figure out this bridge, they can do anything. And that is why I wanted to start this podcast. And thank you so much for encouraging me to do it. I'm so glad, finally, because you are such a precious, beautiful resource of help for people and information, which actually improves quality of life. And I, I just realized that I want to listen to you. I want to listen to your stories with clients. I want to listen to more of your thoughts because they're very unusual to somebody who doesn't know a lot about nutrition, right? And very precious and life-changing. Well, I wouldn't say that they're unusual or even, you know, unique. It's something that when you start working in this industry, you kind of understand this. And you and trust me, everyone has those thoughts. But you know, just why sells much worse than what and how. You know, if you put in an advertisement, I'm going to give you a meal plan that's going to make you skinny in five days. Well, many people will buy it. And especially because then like you will gain weight back because it hasn't fixed your root issues. And then like, you know, it's a comeback customer. It's comeback revenue. It's comeback income. It's good. And, but if you put out there, hey, I'm not going to sell you a meal plan. Instead, I'm going to make you look inside you and understand what is actually driving your overreaching. This will sell much worse. I'm happy that me and you right now can look at these problems, you know, from a different angle. Because, you know, you yourself, you went through this process so you can now see things differently. But you were pointed to this. And unless you're pointed and... I was also pointed to seeing them this way at some point. Unless you're pointed to changing the angle, unless you're pointed to change your perspective, you won't actually do that. So thank you so much for agreeing to have this conversation even. And my last question to you is, if you could give yourself one advice three years ago, what would it be? Do exactly what you're doing. It's super simple. 
do exactly what you're doing because I was searching for about five years how to eat healthier, how to find better food alternatives, understanding why I'm making certain decisions related to nutrition. And it was a very long road, right? But it led me to where I am now. If I had skipped anything, it wouldn't have worked and it wouldn't be consistent. And I think it's so amazing how you had an experience in your life, which led you to studying nutrition and understanding yourself more. And it was so powerful that you decided to take that and help other people improve their life and understand themselves more with their experiences. It's amazing. Thank you for what you do. Well, thank you. Because, you know, like you said, like that I've had my own experiences. You had your own experiences. And I think that sharing these experiences actually help. Because I think that whenever you are dealing with any problems, for instance, food problems or food issues, or you feel guilty for overreaching, at some point, it seems like you're all alone in this world and that no one else is experiencing this. And it is a lonely place to be in. And as we know, loneliness drives even further overreaching. So having these conversations, I think just helps, you know, whoever's going through at this moment. Just to understand that there is a solution, that you can find the solution, that you can take it into your own hands, and there is a rainbow at the end of this journey. And that you're not alone in this feeling, and that it can be corrected in a positive way. And that's all we want. So thank you for sharing this. I know it's not always easy, especially for such perfectionists like me and yourself are, to talk about the things where you were imperfect. So thank you so much for agreeing to have this conversation with me. Thank you for inviting me. Congratulations on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs)